Hi, thanks for joining us to listen to another message from Rumley Chapel in Cardiff, UK. If you'd like to know more about the chapel, then visit us online at rumleychapel.org or look us up on social media. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you all today. And um, just, just to let you know, I was actually, uh, when I was uh, doing my sermon earlier, um, I, I noticed midway through my, my preach that Mike just had this giant grin on his face. And I thought to myself, am I, am I being heretical right now? What's going on? Uh, and I, I was a little bit nervous. I spoke to him afterwards. It turns out throughout my service, I was talking to you guys online, and we weren't actually live this morning. So I was talking to absolutely no one. So that's a little bit embarrassing. But there we are. Here we are again, uh, back in our series, To the Ends of the Earth, Acts chapter 2. That's where we're going to be reading from this morning. And there's quite a lot of verses. There's 47 verses that we're looking at. So I'm gonna, not going to read them all to you this morning uh, because there's just too much to get through. But as you read Acts 2, and I hope you've spent time reading Acts 2 this week, and if you haven't, go and read Acts 2 and you go home today. And you'll see a few different things that's going on in the book of Acts, and especially in Acts 2. And this is where they are begin to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And there's a proclamation of the gospel there. And the receiving of that, what, the, the blessing that comes down from that, that preaching of the gospel, that filling of the Holy Spirit, it was 3,000 people were saved in Acts chapter 2 that you can read about. It's where the church begins. It's where the church begins to grow. And it's where God's kingdom really starts to advance here on earth. And so we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of that this morning. And we're going to look at what was the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost, it might be a word you've heard before. It's, it's that day when the Holy Spirit came down to earth. It's when, uh, when God's people were being filled by the Holy Spirit. And this shouldn't have come to a surprise to us. Um, because Jesus told us that this was something that was going to happen. And there's a, a reading I got for you today from John chapter uh, 14, uh, and it's verses 15, uh, and I'm only going to verse, read the first three verses. It says this, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. And that's the Spirit that Jesus promised us. You know, way before it came, it was promised that it was going to come. And one of the songs we love singing here at Romney Chapel, and it's so true, is that all of God's promises are yes and amen. And we can say yes and amen to that because we know here in Acts, this is exactly what happened. The fulfillment of that promise by Jesus that we would be given a helper to go about our everyday life. And it's just so beautiful, the outcome of receiving that spirit. And this promise that Jesus made was actually fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. And we read it in verses uh, 2 to, to 3. And it says this, Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we can see this promise being fulfilled that Jesus made where they're being filled by the Holy Spirit. And what happens because of that? What is the response to that? And I'm not going to read it all because it's all the way through uh, um, about 20 odd verses. But we can see that people started to gather 
People started to want to know what was going on. They saw people being filled with the Holy Spirit, and they wanted that. So people started to gather, and it gave the people who were filled with the Spirit the opportunity to share in the Word, to share to them the, the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And so I want to encourage us, before we even start this morning, that we would be a church that is so ready to accept the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives, to say, we want more of you, God, and I want you to help me be bold and go out. I want us to be a church that is so full of the Spirit that people see the fruit in our lives, the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, and so on and so forth, that they want to be coming into this place. You know, Mike shared last week about uh, people who are looking through the window, and we want them to stop looking through the window and come to the door and come into our buildings. Or they're looking through, they're gazing in, and they, we want them to see what it's like to be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, to be knowing and in a, in a full, committed relationship with Jesus. And people are going to want to know that, and that's going to give us opportunities as the church to preach the gospel and preach it in power because we have the Spirit enabling us and equipping us in that moment. And you know what happens in Acts chapter 2, verses 13 to 40. That's why we're not reading it, because it's a whole chunk. But 3,000 people were saved in amongst that, that text. You know, this is the part where the church is beginning to be born. And you might start to wonder what it's like for those people. Those people who've just become a Christian for the first time. What, what does it mean to be a Christian back then? You know, there's a few principles that they, they followed and lived by. And we can see those principles in verse 42 and 40 to 47. And I'm not on about, you know, structure. You know, we get caught up in structure a lot sometimes. We'll have one song at the start and then do a communion with a nice little song around that. And then we'll have the preach and maybe a song to finish. And every church has their own way of doing things. Some churches like to do liturgy. And I know Mike's, Mike enjoys a, a liturgy and stuff like that. And there's all these different denominations that look at things slightly differently and do things slightly differently. But when we look at Acts 2, it's not about that. It's not about understanding the fundamentals of how they ran church. It's not about their schedule and what it looked like. I have no, no idea really what it looked like. It's about capturing the heart of those people who were the first Christians, the, the first people who accepted the Holy Spirit and started living for Jesus. And we get a glimpse of that in verses 42 to 47, where it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, the, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So it's not about religious practices. It's about a devotion. That's why I need you to capture this morning. It's about a devotion, a devotion to God, a devotion to the Word, to His people, to, to loving those around us, to being generous people, willing to be sacrifices, willing to be vulnerable, thinking of the the woman who, with the alabaster jar that Reese preached on the other week. That vulnerability, that beauty that came, coming to the, the feet of Jesus, it's absolutely beautiful. 
But these fundamentals, these devotions that we need to have in our lives, it's where we're going to see the church to begin to grow. Because this was fundamental for the early church. It's the reason why uh, there was two results that were going on back then. And these two results you can see in verse 37. Um, so I'll read that again for you. It says this, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So that's the first thing. They had the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily to those who would be being saved. You know, these early Christians, this, the early church, their devotion to God and their acceptance of the Holy Spirit in their life meant that their city was being impacted. And that's what we want to see here. We want to see a city that's impacted. We want to see our neighborhood impacted. We want to see those around us, those closest to us, knowing Jesus and knowing Jesus for themselves. And for some of us, we know people in our hearts that we're thinking of and have been thinking of recently who are on the brink of that. And we might be questioning, how do they see that? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses to God, that we have the power of God going with us in those moments. And then the second thing happens that we see here in verse 47, that daily they added to the church. And that's what we want to see here. It's why we've got two services, because we want to see the church grow, and we believe that the church will grow. But for that to happen, we need to be acceptant of the Spirit. We need to be willing to just open, our, open up our hearts, open up our souls and say, Lord God, I need you. I need your spirit to fill me. I need you to empower me in my everyday living. I want people to see the fruit of the spirit that we're talking about. Love, joy, peace, and patience. And I've got a little video that I want to share with you now. It's three and a half minutes long, and it's based around generosity. I don't know if you were reading Crazy Love, our Bible plan, this past week by Francis Chan, but this is Francis Chan in the video. And Crazy Love is an amazing book, by the way. If you haven't read it, I really encourage you to. It's really, really powerful. And uh, Francis Chan, in this video, he does talk a little bit about a slightly American culture, but that doesn't mean it's not applicable here. He also talks about a little bit about uh, financial giving. That's what he's referring to. But that's not, one you to, not what I want you to cling to this morning. I want you to cling to the, the heart, the nature behind it. And you'll, you'll get what I mean when, he, when he's talking about this now. So, George, if you could play this video, that'd be great. If Christians gave just this one area, just financially, the way that Jesus would want us to, it would have such an amazing effect on the whole world. And I'm not just talking about all the people we could help, you know, and feed and get them the water and everything else. I'm talking about the cynicism that we see towards the church in the United States. Flying out here, person next to me, just why does he reject God? I've seen it all. My buddy that came with me sat with another guy. Why doesn't that guy believe in God? Same type of thing. Everyone's pointing to these believers who, yeah, he calls himself Christian, but I don't see anything. They don't see a compassion. They don't see a love. They see us say that we hold to certain beliefs and a certain theology, but they don't see us really loving people to the point where we give to them sacrificially. And I think just that one thing, because the world loves their money so much, that it really is shocking to them and a light to them. And they go, you really don't care. You just gave that away. 
joyfully. You really believe you're going to be rewarded in the next life. You know, whether they believe it or not, at least now they're rejecting a, a true example. Um, right now there's just, people laugh at what we call church, what we call Christianity. And so if we could get churches to really seek to live out this kind of loving, generous giving, I think it's going to have a huge impact on the world. Jesus talked about money so much, so it doesn't make any sense to say, let's talk about spiritual things, not money. That's like, okay, so then Jesus wasn't real spiritual, <laughs> you know? And no, he talked about it all the time. It's, Jesus was, when you, when you look at the things that he would say to people, he was very concrete. See, we like, in, in America, we like to make spirituality almost um, something you can't measure. We, we make it very abstract. Like, oh, I feel this, God, he's just in me, I just know it. You, you know, and, and well, where's the fruit, you know? Where's the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? You know, the, the words that Jesus uses, the words that John uses, the words that James uses, is this like, well, you say this, you say this kind of ethereal, abstract, oh, I love people, but scripture would say, but if you love them, you wouldn't just say, oh, I love you, go warm and be fed. You would actually give them some food and put some clothes on their back. You would do something practical, something we could see. And, and you know, you, and, and at the same time, he says, you're not gonna be like the Pharisees who do things just to be seen. And so we're not talking about that, but true, True spirituality is going to lead to some sort of action. Like I, I'm trying to think, it, it may have been Amy Carmichael who said, you can, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. I thought, ooh, that's good. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what it comes down to. We can say, oh, I'm so loving this, that. Well, if you were, you would give. What a powerful statement that is, you know, that we can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And so that sort of raises this question that we need to ask ourselves. Do you give just for the sake of giving? Like uh, Francis Chan was talking about the Pharisees there. You give for the, for the sake of it, but it's not out of love. Or do you find yourself saying that you love people, but there's actually no action behind that? Because then we really need to question what, that love is. Because when we talk about love, when we think about love, love is not just this wishy-washy word. It's something that is tangible. It has an action behind it. I mean, let's talk about the greatest example of all, Jesus Christ, who literally came to earth so that he could die on the cross for us and for the things that we've done wrong. And it says in Scripture that there's no greater love than this, than for one to lay his life down for a friend. And that's what Jesus did for us. We can see it. It's plain. It's clear in front of us. There is action behind that. You know, I got told off before for saying that this is a bog standard verse. It's just because it's one that's quoted a lot. And so I won't say that this morning, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know, it says love is patient, it's kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. And there's all of these different attributes about what love is, but it's not wishy-washy. It's there. It's in front of you. It's described by action. 
It's described. It's something that is visible, tangible, that you can hold onto, that you can see and witness. And we need to be like that as the church. We need to be so filled with the Holy Spirit and we need to be pouring out our love to our community in a way that they see it. We don't need to be a church that just says, yeah, we love everyone and we accept everyone. We need to show that we love everyone and we need to accept everyone. There needs to be action behind it. We need to be living by the teachings of Jesus, just like they were doing in the early church, because that's what they clung to. They didn't cling to any sort of rituals or the way that you were doing it or a a sort of schedule, um, for better use of word. That's not what they cling to. They were just devoted to God. They were devoted to the word. They were devoted to this city. They were devoted to those around them. And they were devoted to fellowship, breaking the bread together, praying together, worshiping together. That's what we need to be like church. We need to be a devoted church. We need to be devoted individuals, devoted to God and to the scripture. And that's when we're going to start seeing an impact to our city the same way as they did in Acts chapter 2. And so we need to realize that we can influence the world, that we can have an impact on the world. And maybe you don't want to. Maybe you don't feel like you are called to have an impact on the world. Well, I didn't say this earlier, but actually that whole thing of, you know, if you impact one person, Maybe you only impact one person in your life, but that person, the ripple effect, they might, they might impact a thousand. And they might impact a thousand. All of a sudden, you're reaching the entire world because you are brave to go to that one person that your heart's calling out to. And so I want to encourage you to be like the early church, to be so filled with the Spirit, to be so devoted to God that you're not afraid, that you are unashamed of the gospel, that people are going to see your character, they're going to see your nature, and just every characteristic about who you are. The fact that you are presenting uh, and representing Jesus and the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that we all come with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when people witness that, when people see that in us, they're going to question. They're going to come just like these people did in in Acts chapter 2, where people started to gather and wonder what went on. And what happened? 3,000 people that day were saved. And daily it was added onto their number. Day by day, 3,000 people. Imagine having that impact here in East Cardiff. You know, get a, Mike Dyer's a double-decker bus. Just get a double-decker bus straight through the back wall. Open it up. You know, get the speakers blasting out loud and have literally hundreds of people flooding out into the car park. Get rid of the bush. We don't like it anyway. Why? Because this stuff that happens when we are willing to accept Jesus into our lives, things happen when we are willing to realize that the Holy Spirit is within us. That when Jesus left, he did not leave us or forsake us. He did not leave us alone to do this world by ourselves. But he said and promised in John, I believe, chapter 14, that he was going to send a helper. And that came to fruition here in Acts chapter 2. The church did nothing special back then, apart from trusting God, be devoted to God. They didn't follow structure, but they just followed their hearts and the devotion that they had towards him. And if we as the church, if we here at Rumney Chapel in this community get devoted to God, get devoted to the word and to loving those around us, to being generous people who are willing to share and give, who are willing to get together and pray together and worship together, have fellowship together, then we, we here will surely see God's kingdom advancing in Rumney throughout Lamb Romney, St. Mallon's, Trowbridge, East Cardiff, the whole thing, further afield, because God's not limited, right? You know, God is not limited, which is one thing I love about that, is yes, yeah, some of you might be watching here this morning from your own homes, but it doesn't matter. 
Because God isn't limited. God is there with you right now. His presence is there with you right now. When you leave the house, his presence is there with you right now because the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells within us. And that's a powerful statement. And that's why we can be confident. That's why we can be bold in our everyday living to go out and tell people about Jesus because we have the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit. You know, I love the fact that God doesn't do things by half measures. Literally, God within us. Made perfect, made whole by the sanctification of Jesus and what he did for us on that cross. And I want to encourage you, church, to, to think about how you can be part of this. How you can be part of the advancing of God's kingdom. Maybe there's individuals in your life that you need to reach, that you need to talk to, that you need to be real with. Maybe you need to start serving. Maybe there's a, there's a part in here. I'm not, I said maybe. I don't know why, because it's not maybe. There is a part for you here, because no one in this place has an appendix that you can remove. Every single person is a part of the body here at Romney Chapel who has purpose and meaning and has something to offer, something to give. So I really want to encourage every single one of you to think of how you can serve, because God will place that on your heart. He'll reveal that to you, because we are called as the church and as individuals to be salt and light in this world, in this community, that we will taste and look different to everyone else around us. You know, I'm reminded of this, this metaphor I heard a long time ago. But, you know, I don't know how often you guys look up and see the moon. When I was walking home yesterday and the sun was shining, it was a beautiful day yesterday, wasn't it? And um, I looked up and the moon was there, just chilling. Like, it was still the middle of the day. I was like, what are you doing out? It's not your time. But it was just still there. But when it's nighttime and everything else is dark, and I don't know if you've ever been to a place where it's just literally pitch black and you look up, you see all the stars and you see the moon, and that moon is providing light down to us on earth so that we can see a little bit of what is going on. But what I love about this is the fact that the moon itself doesn't give off any light. But it reflects the light of the sun, and that is the source of light. And Christianity at the church, it's not much different. We are like that moon as the church, as Christians, as individuals, because we are not the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world, but we are called to be a light in this place, a city on a hill that does not hide underneath a stand, whatever the phrase is. But we're not called to hide underneath that. We're called to be a light, but we need to be reflecting the light of Jesus because that's who we need them to look at. We don't need them to look at us and to know our name. We need his name to be proclaimed. We need him to be known. And so I really want to encourage you, church, to just pursue that, pursue Jesus, pursue a devotion for God in absolutely everything. If you want to see miracles happening, if you want to see God moving, he can do it without us, that is true, because God is all-powerful, but he wants to do it with us, and that's the blessing. It's a privilege we have. It's a privilege. I really want to say this in my Welshish strongest accent right now because of a previous sermon where he was like, it's a privilege to be part of this team. And it is. Each and every single one of us, honoured, chosen by God. He wants us here. We all have meaning. We all have purpose. And I'm going to ask you to do something now that isn't something that we do too often here, but I'm going to encourage it anyway, and it doesn't mean that it's right or wrong that we don't do it, um, and that some places do. But I want to encourage everyone here to just close your eyes in this moment because I don't want you to look around. I don't want you to see the people who are around you and be distracted by them because this moment is about you. This moment is about you and God together. I want you to just invite him right now to speak to you.
And I don't want your, your decision to be persuaded or altered by anyone else that's around you. So I want to encourage you this morning. And I'm going to ask you to do something bold because I believe it's when we're bold in our faith, that's when we see things happen. And we really know that it's something so much more. It's not wishy-washy, it's tangible. Because there's action involved. We keep talking about this change of posture in our hearts, in our worship. So I want to encourage that change of posture now. And if you, this morning, whether you're here in the building or whether you're at home, I want to encourage you, wherever you may be, if you want to know God, if you feel like you need Jesus in your life and you haven't accepted him already, maybe you have accepted him before, but you want to stand up and say, God, I just need to, I need to start afresh with you this morning. And I want to encourage you to stand up. It's not about anyone that's around you. It's just about you and God in this moment. You want to be bold right now. Because we're called to stand up for Jesus in our everyday. And that's around people who don't even believe in him. Let alone people who do. But God will equip us. And we'll pray for that in a minute. Yeah, Father God, for anyone right now who had a change in their posture, in their, their heart position, whether they stood up or not, but their heart is crying out to you, God, I pray right now for them that their souls would be sanctified by your name, by what you did on that cross. Lord God, I thank you that we are forgiven that everything is taken away. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far you remove our transgressions from us. We thank you for that, Jesus. And I just pray, Lord God, that we would continually keep closer counsel with you, talking to you every day, knowing that you are a rock in times of trouble, but that there's going to be so many times where we can praise him on the sultry and heart. <laughs> I don't even know what that instrument is, but we can... Praise you, Lord God, and I thank you for that. And if any of you this morning, I want to encourage you to stand up if you want to receive the Holy Spirit right now. It's basically accepting that spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It's an empowering, bold thing. It helps us in our everyday life. Some of you might have already prayed and asked for this in the past, but that doesn't mean we can't come afresh with it. You know, we want to be so overflown with the Spirit. It's like we've been out in torrential rain, and as we walk inside and walk into these dry places that we leave puddles behind us, that's how we want to be filled with the Spirit. So I'd encourage you to stand if that's you. We have Father God. I just pray that your spirit would just rain down us on, on us right now. So often, Lord God, we're scared of the rain. You know, when we think of that German word schadenfreude, and we think about the fact that sometimes we'll be in our nice warm homes and people will be out in the rains and we're just like, ah, oh, it's so nice to be in this warm, comfy rain. When it starts raining, we put our umbrellas up and we, we hide away from it. So, Lord God, yeah, we do sing and sometimes ask, Lord God, Rain down on us. Rain down on us, Lord. 
But the same has to be true that this other song says, we receive your reign. What difference does it make if God's pouring his rain down on us if we're going to go and hide underneath a shower? We need to be out in the open. We need to receive that rain. We need to be drenched by the Spirit and then leave puddles behind us. It's a blessing to be drenched. Next time it's raining, I encourage you to go out and be, just let it pour down on you. Symbolism of what God is going to do in this city, leaving puddles wherever we tread. But they're not just hopeless water but a spirit that is filled with hope. And if there's a part of you that says, I want to serve, I want to serve the church, maybe you already are serving in some way or another, or maybe you want to serve, then I will also encourage you to take that change in posture right now and stand up. It's not about those around you. It's just about you and God in this moment. I really believe that there's someone here this morning who keeps saying, I want to serve. I want to serve, but I'm scared to. I'm scared I'm not going to measure up. I'm scared I'm going to mess it up. But serving isn't about what you do or how efficiently you do it. It's about the heart behind it. I would take a heart-filled worship leader singing any day who couldn't sing a note than someone who was a professional musician because that heart of worship is what it's all about. And that's true whether it's making coffees on the door, cleaning up afterwards or putting out chairs. It's not about your efficiency or your talent. It's about your heart. So if you are scared to serve, I'd encourage the same thing. Change your posture this morning. Be bold. Father God, I pray for those who are serving and want to serve in this place. I thank you, Lord God, that we all have a role to play. And Jesus, I pray that you would make us a church that is just shining so brightly in this city. Lord God, I pray that this would be a focal point that people look at. Now when people, if if you're lost in the middle of the woods and you see a fire, your natural response is to flock to it. Let us be a light that is reflecting the light of the world so brightly that just like in the early church, when people started to gather, that people would gather here too and we would get the opportunity on the, on the coffee, on the welcome, on the chairs, on maintenance, on cutting the grass, that we would have opportunities to preach the gospel because people see something different. They see something tangible and they want to feel that for themselves, just like what happened in Acts I'm going to encourage you to just stay in this moment. Stay in this moment and receive God. I'm going to sing a song of worship now. I just want you throughout this song to just talk to God, listen to God. Focus on the words and the meaning and sing them over yourselves. You know, given the word shout earlier, it's quite funny because we're not allowed to shout 
in this place? And if I asked you to shout and you did, what difference does that make? Because it's not about the noise you make. It's not about the things that you do or the things you bring. It's about your heart that's behind it. So we might shout silently right now, but that could be more meaningful than if we actually shouted on the top of our voices. Because it's what's in here that matters, not the noise that we're making. And yeah, if we're in love with Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit is going to be louder than anything. Our action is going to be louder than any noise we can make. We don't need to say I love you to our community. Sometimes they might need to hear it, but we don't need to say I love you. But what we need is for them to feel that they are loved, to know that they are loved by our actions, by our living, by our attitude. And we'll see transformation in this city, I believe it. And I hope and I pray that everyone here this morning believes that too. Amen. I just encourage you, take this moment to just reflect on this song that I believe God wanted me to share this morning and ask for that Holy Spirit to come and empower you in wherever you are right now. Whatever situation you need the Holy Spirit's power, I encourage you to just sit with that and ask God to anoint you there.